What's up, everyone? Welcome to The Breakdown. Uh, here we are joined with Casey Knowles and Nick Carpenter, uh, partners in an amazing challenge that you guys are going to know all about. Uh, but before we tell you guys about the challenge, the breakdown, everything that happened in between, uh, I think it would be really, really valuable for the audience to know a little bit more about who these main characters are in this challenge. We have Casey Knowles and Nick Carpenter. Do you guys want to share a little bit to the audience about who you are, some of the things that you've been doing, and why they should listen to you on this breakdown? Thanks, Rob. Um, yeah, my name is Casey Knowles. I've been lending for approximately 20 years. Um, I guess about me that relates to the show. When I first got started, I, I was able to work with a guy who uh, I sat down with and, and I told him how much production I wanted to do. And he just very simply on a piece of paper told me what I had to do. And back then it was, you know, how many phone calls you could make and how many of those calls is kind of reverse engineering. And so in my first 12 months, I was able to earn about $230,000 at that time, about 20 years wow. ago. That was a, it was a pretty solid start. Um, since then, sometimes fortunately, sometimes unfortunately, I've had to restart and kind of go from zero, either due to moving or the market crashing uh, in 08. And each time I've restarted, for example, in 2004, in my first three months, I was able to pretty much, I was able to do about $75,000 in income in my third month. That was as a wholesale rep, um, but it was very much the same in getting clients. I had to restart again in 2009 when the mortgage industry changed. Within my first three months, I was, I had the highest producing, had the highest producing units in the entire company in the history, which was pretty cool. And then in 2020, I moved to Colorado and had to restart again. At that point, um, I was doing really poorly, and then I enlisted the help of Nick. And in my first year, I was able to do about fifty, little over fifty million dollars, which was obviously it was a pretty good, uh, pretty good restart. Um, and then since then, you know, again, we wanted to do that. Um, we wanted to do that uh, and document it. And so, with Nick's help, we went ahead and shot the Relo show, which was me starting over again. So that's kind of my history of trying to go from zero to something and doing that over and over again and, and kind of getting to a point where I feel like I could do it in any city and I think I could help anybody do it in any city at any given time. So. Thank you, Casey. That's awesome. Thank you, Nick. Yeah. Thank you so much, Rob. Yeah. I'm Nick Carpenter. You know, I grew up as a Navy brat all over military bases. I, I watched my dad have this amazing camaraderie with buddies and uh, probably that's why I decided to join the Air Force. I actually went in the Air Force because my dad suggested it. He said they take better care of their people and had better food, and he was definitely right. And so, uh, you know, again, feeling the camaraderie in the Air Force, I decided to get out in 2005 and uh, went into the real estate industry. Uh, and really, in real estate and mortgage, I just never felt like there was a place that had that amazing camaraderie, and I was always searching for that. Hmm. Um, so, you know, eventually, I decided to build the Legion of Loan Officer. I opened that in 2017. And, uh, and today the Legion is doing about a billion dollars in production a month uh, between our members. And it's just, you know, it's an awesome place to support each other, learn, bring different ideas out to the market. It's how I met Casey Knowles. And so that's, you know, sort of how we ended up here today. So now that the audience knows more about you, why they should listen, you know, your expertise and your accomplishments, let's talk about this challenge because the Relo LO show was all about a challenge, specifically a 90 day challenge. Let's talk about that. What made you want to do that? Whenever I moved to Colorado and I had to restart, I, I had to start from zero again. There have been many times in my past that I really wanted to do something and I want to hit some high numbers. 
And I have the willpower myself to do it. And throughout the years, over and over and over again, I've purchased products. I've, you know, gone down different roads, trying to chase or trying to find a path that actually worked. I always wanted somebody to say, like when I first started in mortgage, um, like whenever I just said, whenever I first started in mortgage, I had a guy actually hand me a piece of paper and he said, if you do these things, it'll work. And between then and between when I moved to Colorado, there were a lot of times that, um, that I had the willpower to do it, but I just didn't necessarily have the path. And so whenever I met Nick Carpenter, he handed me a plan and said, hey, if you follow this, it'll work. I believed him. I followed it. And in that next year, I was like number four in the state of Colorado for mortgage brokers. And I did it just by just by doing exactly what he said. Obviously, I, I put some effort into the things I had to do, but I just followed his plan. And that to me, that was a huge gift. It was a huge gift to have somebody say, look, this is this is what you do. If you do your part, it'll it'll work, period and nothing else. And so. After doing that and uh, starting to build a mortgage company, I wanted to be able to show other people, hey, look, if you have the drive and you have the willpower, I have the plan. And I didn't expect anybody to believe me because I said it. And so I, uh, you know, Nick and I got together. I, we talked about the idea. He was game. And, it, you know, our, our biggest intention was, hey, look, we're going to show you it works. And then once you see it, <laughs> Hopefully you'll believe it. And then if you want some help getting there, you know, um, obviously we're building a mortgage company. And so, you know, our end game, obviously, is we want to work with some great people, but we want to prove to whoever watched that it's a fact. It wasn't a fluke when I did it the first time. It was just some tactics and some willpower behind it. And so, you know, with that came the idea of let's go document it and put it on a, you know, put it on a camera and uh, have a little fun with it. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, Casey. What's your take on that, Nick? Why did you join Casey on this 90 day challenge? For me, watching the show Undercover Billionaire, I just thought it was amazing what they were able to do in 90 days. You know, the first season with Glenn Stearns was awesome, particularly the second season. I loved the Grant Cardone segment where what he did in Pueblo building this marketing company. I mean, as a marketer, it was super impressive what they were able to do in 90 days. And when Casey brought the idea to me, I was like, oh, to me, it was, it was like, heck yeah, because it was It'd be so cool to actually see what we could do in that, you know, in that same kind of time period. We didn't have to have an appraiser or anybody come in and tell us the value of our business because we already know the value, you know, based mm -hmm. on that's the great thing about the mortgage business. You can just look at production. Um, you know, Casey's a doer. You know, oftentimes I'm, I mean, I'm a doer on some level. Um, sometimes I'm more of a thinker and ideas, but Casey's a workhorse. I mean, definitely a cheetah. the whole reason we came up with the whole thing of cheetah juice and that whole thing. And you know, I just, I couldn't work. I couldn't partner with somebody that would ever outwork him. You know, he's going to outwork whoever, you know, whoever's his competition. So I knew that, you know, he already proved it once. If, if he just has a, a plan and, you know, a structure to his day and to how we're going to go grow this thing, he's going to definitely do the work. That's never going to be a question. And so that's why I was like, to me, it was a no brainer when, when, you know, he got the idea to me. Okay. So you guys decided to do this challenge. Obviously, um, you know, people will see what the result is and we're going to break it down here. But the challenge was to go to a new city and you all chose Colorado Springs. Why did you decide to go through Colorado Springs? Uh, for me, it was pretty much just location. Um, I am from a very small town. I grew up the town I'm from. is called Cowboy Capital of the World. So you can imagine there's, there's not a lot of people there. And so for me to go a certain direction, I, I live in northern Colorado now. Denver is very close. 
but it's only about an hour away. So although that would have been a great spot to do it, just because there's a lot of people, I decided to go a little bit further to make it an actual move. I didn't want to, I didn't want it to make it easy for me just to come home and, and to skip actually being there alone. So Colorado Springs was the next best spot. It was depending on traffic anywhere from two and a half to three and a half hours away. And it also had a lot of people in it. So I knew that in order to have a chance at hitting a number, you know, I didn't want to move to a town that had 10,000 people. I need to make sure, needed to make sure that there's enough loans there, at least that the tactics that we had, I could measure whether or not they worked. And it wasn't limited by just, you know, that there's 10 transactions a month in an entire area. Um, we wanted an area that, you know, that had the volume that could support a test. And so it was a perfect distance that I could actually live there, but not so far away that if my kids had a volleyball game at night, I could, you know, I could take six hours and sprint home and, and check it out. So it was definitely family driven and also trying to meet the metrics of I actually moved and I just didn't drive, you know, 45 minutes to Denver, for example. So that's, that was the, the big focus for me. What, what do you have to say with that, Nick? No, no, just, yeah, everything. I just would, would, uh, you know, echo what Casey said, basically far enough that it felt real. Um, it, it also, you know, where it, it wasn't just a little bit away, you know, it was actually a few hours away. So it seemed like more legit. Mm -hmm. It also, it's not a gigantic city, you know, like Denver. Some might say, oh, well, of course, Denver's got, you know, a million people or whatever. But Colorado Springs only has, I think, 400,000 or something like that. So it's a reasonably sized city mm -hmm. um, to kind of go and improve the concept. So, yeah, I thought, I thought it, was a, it was a perfect spot to, to do it. And it just happened to be, you know, the hotter cities during that time, you know. So in some cases, we were able to leverage some pieces of that, you know. Um, but it's... Uh, yeah, so it was a, I think it was, it was just that it was a place where it was far enough away that it was, this was a legit test. We didn't have anybody there, no real network or, re, you know, referral partners or any, anything there in, in that city. Um, and it wasn't a giant city. So it felt, again, it was more realistic in terms of a city size and, you know, mm -hmm. um, the available opportunity there. Yeah, to add to that, you know, I had never, I didn't know anybody in that town or in the city. Um, I had driven through there to go to Pueblo one time and just prior to the show, I was looking for a place to live and I did drive to an RV park um, to see if the RV park would work for a place for me to stay. Wait, I actually did have an art or a, a trailer on order that couldn't come in time. It was, it was a friend of mine's business. He was going to sell me a trailer like it costs so I could have a place to stay. But the um, due to COVID, I guess the trailer couldn't be around time. So we had to switch gears. And, but anyway, long story short, I'd never been there. I didn't know anybody there. And uh, it met that metric really well. So it's mm -hmm. far enough away that my circle, like on Facebook and stuff, didn't really envelop that area. Yeah, it was totally legit. It was totally <laughs> legit. <laughs> okay, so you guys went to a new city. You had this challenge. You had this plan. What was the original goal for the first 90 days or for the only 90 days that you have? <laughs> Yeah, this, you know, this is an interesting question because in the very beginning, I had gone to Nick and said, hey, you know, most loan officers, I, I don't know what the actual average is. I'm guessing it's maybe, maybe 700,000 a month or something like that. And uh, so I went to Nick, you know, and to do 2 million a month is a, is, a, is a solid number. If you're a loan officer doing 24 million a year, that's, that's great income. And so I'd gone to Nick and I said, hey, let's, you know, let's shoot for a number. Like, can we get to a really good number in a really short amount of time? And so the original number was 2 million. 
And, you know, Nick's on Facebook quite a bit. And I think he had a little too much cheetah juice one day because I ended up catching a post and he said, hey, watch Casey go to, you know, I forget, go to Colorado Springs and do, I forget what the number was. It was like two and a half million or, but he bumped the number up. <laughs> and Nick hasn't actually like originated loans and closed loans so much. He's, he, you know, you know, his business has been get, driving the business and the marketing and get attraction marketing and doing a lot of things he's really good at. But I don't know that he understood the difference between getting like 2 million and 3 million. You know, it's not just something you can just, you know, uh, just throw it out there and it happens. <laughs> it's actually quite difficult. <laughs> so we did, it was 2 million was the original number. And then there were some things said on Facebook that may not match up to that, but 2 million was our goal. Exactly. And and Nick, with that two million goal, what uh did you like? Just did you forget, or were you just feeling good? The cheetah juice was tingling. Like, what was it that you know that made you bump the number up? Was it inflation? Yeah, think, yeah, exactly, exactly. I think I think I actually just misremembered misremembered the number. But sometimes because I don't originate, you know, I, I think it can be easy for me to not differentiate between the idea of a $2 million a month producer and a $3 million a month producer necessarily. You know, sometimes I don't, I might not recognize all the work that has to go into uh, to that increase, you know, to add another two or three loans, uh, you know, four loans a month, whatever that number needs to be in order to add another million. You know, sometimes I probably can downplay the effort or work that actually has to go into that because I haven't, you know, I haven't been on the production side of cases that I'm mostly on, you know, creating mm -hmm. opportunities, opening doors, that kind of stuff. Um, not not necessary on how do we actually get that loan, you know, from that realtor, you know, sometimes on those that specific. So yeah, I probably just miss I probably just misspoke there a couple of times on Facebook, but he's right though. Originally we were going for two million dollars. And for those who uh who don't do loans, just to give you an idea, two million a month for an app, you can get paid different amounts depending if you work for a bank or a broker, you know, it can go anywhere from a third of a percent to two and a half percent. So there's a big variable, but on average, most, most loan officers that originate their own business get paid about a percent and a half. And so at 2 million a month, that is pacing at $360,000 a year. So we thought that that was a pretty substantial stretch. Like, you know, can somebody make a third of a million dollars or more 360,000 on pace for that in the third month? And, uh, and that and that's why that that number is not an average in the industry obviously people don't make that kind of money so mm -hmm. at least not on average they're you know closer to probably you know 80 to 140 thousand dollars something like that but um anyway that was our that was our number to be pacing for three hundred sixty thousand a year okay so that was the goal for the 90 days right maybe there's a little uh um, discrepancy, but at the end, you guys were all still at the same page about what that goal was. So, of course, I have my own perspective. Uh, my team and I, we were there in, in, in a behind-the-scenes thing. But for the first 30 days, after the first 30 days, a third of the way there, how are you feeling about it? The, I, the obvious thing once you watch the show is we only had three people show up to the first class. And that was... You know, starting from zero, as you'll as you'll see in the show, we talked about a hockey stick effect quite a bit. And so I didn't anticipate making, you know, making any progress the first couple of weeks. I, I didn't expect anything to happen. I, I wasn't looking for any wins early. I just I knew that the first month was going to be rough. Um, <clears throat> I knew it'd be different than what I expected. Like I didn't know I knew there'd be obstacles. I just didn't really know what they would be. But 
in looking back, I think the first month was probably the, the first thing I would say. It was a big adjustment not being around my family. Mm. Um, I'm not a guy that does card night. I don't go to the bars by myself. I, you know, I'm home um, in bed early. Kids are in the house and my life is very much the same every day. And so it, it always has been. And so for me to go somewhere the first month, I noticed, you know, emotionally, it was very difficult to have, you know, I, I had this extra pressure. And then also I didn't have my normal downtime with my kids and the kids noises and running around and just the things that you get accustomed to, you know, that all of a sudden it's very quiet. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, you know, and then also the house was not quite as comfortable as my house. You know, um, I was doing my own cooking and cleaning and clothes, you know, the washing clothes and all those things, which I'm pretty spoiled right now. So um, I think for the most part, it was more of a, a living adjustment more so than work. I, I, I didn't anticipate too many wins. And so in reality, when, whenever only three people came to the, uh, to the class, I wasn't so much worried about that day. But what it did do was open up a concern that, hey, what if I can't fix this? And like that day we got over, both Nick and I are, we're winning type of people. We're like, hey, you know, show's going to go on. Let's make the best of it. And we, we were able to get over that in 15 seconds. Um, mm -hmm. But I also knew that it was my problem and my responsibility to get more people there the next time. And I didn't necessarily know how I was going to do that because I did the best I could the first time wasn't like, hey, I didn't try. Next time I'll try. I actually did do the best I could. Um, and looking back, I can fix that actually. But at the time, I didn't know how to fix it. And yeah. uh, and so that's uh, the first month was more of a question like, hey, am I going to be able to pull this thing off? Because I got zero traction. Yeah, I think the first month, definitely having only three people show up in a room that we had set for like 20 or 30 people was, <laughs> you know, kind of like kicking the nut. But um we made the best of it and it turned out, I mean, it was, we made them connections that day. And that was, I think maybe in some, in some instances, those connections and the deep connections we were able to build with those people wouldn't have occurred if we were speaking from stage and there was 20 people in the room, because then they would have just been another one of 20, but sitting down, you know, anyways, you know, the way that we kind of like just overcame the best as we could, you know, I think we, I think it worked out almost better looking back on it now. I think, it was like, it was like the best thing for us to only have those three people show up, but it's definitely, it was definitely kind of scary. I remember thinking there's more people here with the video crew than there are, you know, being, there's more people filming than there are being filmed. And that was kind of interesting. Um, also, even with the social, you know, even the, the social was, you know, it was a little light, right? It was only around 14 people. I think something like that, that showed up for the, for the first social and uh, you know, same thing. It was great for the pocketbook, you know, in case you'll get into numbers later, you know, in terms of what things cost, but you know, so in that instance, it was good, but um, yeah, I mean, you just expect sometimes that when you throw, when you throw these offers out there, that more people are going to be interested, but they had no idea who we were. Mm -hmm. And I think in some cases, the first month was about Casey establishing, Hey, here's who I am. I'm mm -hmm. here. I'm going to be providing value. I'm not going away, you know, um, because sometimes realtors are hit with so many offers. They have to either hear it from a third party or get some proof that, you know, what, what you've got going on is valuable. Mm -hmm. And so they can, you know, to share their time with you. And I think a lot of times the first month, the, you know, I would have hoped that we had bigger numbers in both instances of the class and the social, but it ended up working out really well because it just created, 
it just established that we were here. Here's what we're doing. You know, our stuff is valuable. It's fun. And then you can, like, you can see with the hockey stick kind of numbers, mm -hmm. it just kind of sprung from there. Wow. What a breakdown for the first 30 days. You know, I, I honestly can't imagine how I would feel 30 days in a third of the way there and uh, just having to, you know, be okay with those um, kind of results and just keep the momentum going to actually make it a better second month and an even better third month. But with that being said, let's go ahead and go into the second month. So the first month, you've seen those results. What about the second month? Do you have now something that you want to compare it to, something else that you want to aim for? How did that second month go two-thirds of the way in? I think something that's interesting is whenever we're filming the show, Rob, you're like, hey, you know, to make this show good, like we need to, you know, we need to bring the tempo up. We need to bring the tempo down. Like, you know, like most shows, there has to be like this roller coaster thing. And and I was uh, I was sometimes I would think about like, how do we fabricate that? You know, how do, how do we make that happen? You know? Yeah. And, but what's funny was I went in the second month, you know, and I started doing some more work on getting people to class and doing those things. And what was interesting was by the end of the second month, like I had so much traction. Um, I got a deal in contract and, um, Travis, the guy we met at the first social, he sent me a deal. I got that one pre-approved. And so all of a sudden I'm at the end of the second month and I, I forget what I had. I, we had maybe 800,000 or a million dollars. We pretty much had like half of what I needed. And I had a bunch of other things that were promising things, which normally a, a percentage of those comes through. So we like almost started a hyper celebrate. So we got on the phone and we got on the Legion of loan officers on a call and we're like, Oh man, Casey's just like, we're in the second month and we almost have our number for the third month. And I'm thinking, man, I wonder if I can just go home. <laughs> but was funny, you know, towards the end of the second month, it was like this huge celebration. And then as I rolled into the third month, like I lost all that. Um, I, my pre-approved buyer ended up going away. Uh, he would like went on vacation and then a deal that I had, I forget, but everything I had and all the hopes that I had kind of just kind of drifted away. I think I ended up having one deal that was um, a purchase that I picked up at a, at a Keller Williams, like a call night type thing. It's called Bold 100. So I was there and I picked up a you know, for sale by owner deal. And so I, I had a little bit of business, but all the stuff that I thought I had went away. And so um, it definitely was like the celebration and then, and then backpedaling. Cause I just got on a phone call with Legion loan officers, like talking about what a badass I was and how we were killing it. But you know, that's the business like, these are 30 day long deals mm -hmm. and in the 30 days, anything can happen. Um, it was also the beginning of a, a interest rate, interest rates are starting to rise as well. And so some of the refinances I thought I could pick up, I couldn't. Um, and each day I try to sell a deal and, you know, the rates would be different the next day. And so uh, month two was, was difficult as well. And I was, you know, again, I was telling Nick, man, I wonder if this hockey stick curve thing is going to kick in in time because I know I'm doing the work. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I don't really have anything to show for it. And so I'd like to say there were some really great highs in there. And every day I'd celebrate something, but it, it wasn't necessarily celebrating that I was on track to like to smash this thing. Yeah, the, the good news about month two is that we're improving, right? In terms of uh, when you look at the class attendance, significant increase. When you look at the social, significant increase. Um, 
even I'm pretty sure that was when we didn't even have to fabricate drama. The dude just showed up. So it was, <laughs> it was exciting. Um, but the, the great thing about, yeah, month two was that you could see effort starting to produce, right? Um, that people were knowing who he was. Realtors were talking about us, especially he really got to become friends and know some decent realtors in the area that have a lot of respect. And, and so if you can use realtors to talk about you, it's going to obviously always come back positively. And so we had, you know, when you look at the, the class, the class was awesome in month two, it, you know, we had just, you know, a really good turnout. Mm -hmm. And then same thing on the social, you know, the social at least doubled and, you know, in people mm -hmm. that were at the social and, and the class, I think tripled, maybe quadrupled, something like that, you know? And so it was, you could see, you know, that you could start to see the effort paying off. And, mm -hmm. and obviously even on, you know, like he said, he was starting to get some deals and, you know, oftentimes that very first deal, that's the hardest to get, you know, it's that man, now they're, they're putting their trust in you. They're, you know, they're, they're putting, you know, their reputation on the line by recommending you, you know, there's a mm -hmm. lot that goes into getting their loan from people. And often that's the hardest, that's the hardest to get. So the fact that that was starting to occur was pretty cool. Mm. I'd like to add, yeah, as far as the numbers go, I was being a little bit, a uh, little um, realistic on my side, but the, the, the numbers, we were like 300% over month one at minimum, whether it was the class or the socials. And um, Nick is really great about this idea about a local celebrity and about authority and to develop that as fast as we could the local celebrity the authority thing was really important because even whenever i met even whenever i met um partners that would be a great match for me i still needed to strengthen that relation like even though in the long run they, they will be my friends for life i still needed to you know normally you have so many points of contact before you start building trust mm -hmm. but with some of the things nick had me do in the background like getting people on the news and um you know we're on websites and uh we press releases all these mm -hmm. things happen so whenever i met people they're good partners it enabled them to be a good partner with me months sooner than had i just done it organically and happened to run into them you know at the grocery store and you know throughout a year for example so um one of Nick's strengths is just speeding up that authority and the local celebrity thing, which helps that people trust you whenever you talk and, and, and uh, trust you to hand you their paycheck and say, Hey, look, here's the deal. And, you know, it needs to close and I trust you to do it. And so, um, that's, that's something that you won't see watching the show mm -hmm. because it's something that people feel whenever they're on social media and whenever they get emails and they get contacts, but it's, it's what he does in the background that builds that trust faster. And, uh, and again, it's really hard to measure, but it was one of the things that enabled me to sink my hooks in a lot, a lot quicker. Yeah. And it was super evident, you know, month over month from month one to month two, and even from month two to month three, it was super evident how that authority, how it was almost, uh, like it wasn't just like multiplying. It was like squared, like that hockey stick, like you were talking about month after month. That's awesome. So, first month, second month, obviously people will see what happened at the third month. Okay. We can't like fully, fully spoil it for them. Uh, at least not just yet, but they will see what happened in the third month. Now that the three months are over, now that the 90 days are over, how do you feel? What are the thoughts going through your head? Do you still sometimes have the, do you feel like you're being filmed Casey or like, you know, you're like, Oh, I got to get up, do something, you know, camera crews coming. Um, or, you know, how do you feel now after the 90 days is over? You know, the final number, 
the, the final number definitely changed, you know, how I feel internally about what can be done. I even, even participating in this, it changed, you know, we all have a certain idea of what reality is, right? And, and we have certain things that we believe that most likely we just assume things, but we think it's a belief. And so we kind of hold on to it. Mm -hmm. After completing this 90 days and starting over again, I have another new belief that like what I did could be done even more efficiently, even faster. And had I not done the show, I, I don't, I certainly wouldn't, you know, I, I have a little bit of my identity now with somebody that, you know, I like, I think I could, if somebody's got the guts, I think I could tell them how to do it. And if they mm -hmm. did what I said, I, I know that they could repeat my, my performance at least. Um, because I know we could do it better. Both Nick and I both know we could do it better because we actually analyzed the show, analyzed what we did. And we're like, if we fix this up front, it would be a multiplier in the end. And I, I believe that like a hundred percent, there's I have zero doubts that I couldn't go to another town and do it again. Um, and actually do better because I think I could do what I did without any refinances is, is, is what I think. So, and if by cutting out the refinances, it definitely makes it a more stable, um, skill set. Mm -hmm. And um, I did rely on some refinances to hit my number. And that's something that could go away. And I recognize that. So I don't really count refinances so much. Um, but even on the purchase business, we still still did pretty well. So yeah. Uh, anyway, to answer your question, now that 90 days is over, I think I'm left with more resolve. Like, these are things it's not okay to accept that they don't work, because I know how to do it right and how to get a number. And so if somebody comes to me and says, oh, this isn't working, um, you know, I did it. I can just say, well, you know, are you doing this? No. Are you doing that? No. Okay. Well, that's why it's not working because mm -hmm. if you did these things, it would work. Yeah, I think that's one of the coolest parts about having this 90 days be over is that we proved it. And um, anybody could follow that same path. And, you know, anybody can watch the show, be inspired by what Casey did there. And, and just go do it themselves. You know, I mean, if somebody's a, if somebody's a real doer, there's enough information in the show that they could just go, okay, I kind of see what he did here. Just go do it themselves. You know, I mean, there's going to be some people that obviously you know want a little handholding, some help, some guidance, and that sort of thing. Um, but but the path has been laid out, and I think it's cool where we didn't just think about it or kind of it's not um you know it's not a theory. But we actually, you know, we actually proved it, and that's and that's a big difference. And a lot of times, there's, there is theory, in, even in marketing, right? A lot of marketing and stuff is like, oh, I think maybe let's see if this will work. Let's try this thing. And but until you know, Casey was willing to put boots on the ground, and I think that was what was so cool about this challenge is mm -hmm. that he was willing to, you know, put his family life in, in a lot of ways on hold for 90 days, and go and you know, and sacrifice to see if if this actually can if this actually works. And so. The fact that we proved it is super, is super awesome. And again, in month three, you know, the class was epic. You know, you know, uh, you know I don't want to, I don't want to give everything away, but the, uh -huh. amazing, you know, the way that it, the way that it came out, um, the social couldn't have gone any better. Amazing location. I think, you know, 1350 distilling was a super cool location to do it at. You know, I love that they're all veterans and military-ish and stuff there. Um, mm -hmm. The, and it, it was so fun to have a lot of our friends even fly in to support us at that last, at the last social. And I thought that was really cool. And I remember specifically people coming up to me and saying, Hey, wh who's Casey? Where's Casey? I want to make sure I meet him. And I was like, man, that's, but that's not super proof that people are coming in the room and, and really searching him out, you know, mm -hmm. um, as, as the guy. And just that in such a short time, we were able to create 
this huge perception of is the value he can bring that he's trustworthy, mm-hmm. that he's fun. He's cool. You want to hang out with him. I mean, you know, all that stuff. I mean, definitely probably cost him a little extra uh, for the third, for the third social there by having, by being Mr. Popular, but it was awesome that, uh, that it worked out in the way that it did. And, and, you know, it was, and if somebody did, if somebody just follow what Casey did in their market and they're not actually leaving after 90 days, I mean, if that stick just kept rising, you just, you're for sure getting in Scotsman guide, just following the same following the same plan. And I think that's so cool. Mm-hmm. And to add to that, if I may, just from my perspective, um, on the day of the third social, you know, I'm, you know, my team and I were here filming and people are coming to us like, hey, where's Casey? I heard Casey would be here. Like I heard and like they're just saying your name and 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 they haven't even met you yet on the, you know, in the social. I'm over pointing like, look for the tall guy. Like there's Casey over there. <laughs> yeah, a couple of those people actually came from Pueblo, which is like 45 minutes away. And when I heard that, I, you know, it- <laughs> You know, I don't, I'm pretty much an introvert. And so a lot of those, you know, when that stuff was happening, I was like, I didn't know what to do. You know, I was like, I'm kind of, I honestly, I felt like I'm like, hey, this is kind of like my 15 minutes fame. It was was really cool. Like, I really felt like for once in my life, I was somewhere and everybody was, it was like a surprise birthday party that I didn't hate. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was, it was interesting. I met people walking in the door. I I heard people asking for me and, uh, and I didn't, I don't even think I was friends with them on Facebook. Honestly, they, they may have seen some of our ads or they saw, I don't know what they saw, but there were two people in particular that I wasn't friends with on Facebook because I added them afterwards. And they were the ones that came from Pueblo asking for me. And I, I thought that that was super strange. Um, I didn't even ask them how, you know, why they're asking for me. I was, I was too embarrassed. But the third social was, it, it was like a New Year's Eve party. It was like mm-hmm. people just like smashed in there and uh, that the bar bill was pretty insane. <laughs> but uh, it was a ton of fun. And, you know, we had people fly in from New Jersey, from Florida. Um, you know, I met, talk about, you know, it was like man of the hour thing. It wasn't something I deserved or anything, but it was, it was honestly a part of, you know, the game plans. Like mm-hmm. how do we, how do we build authority and how do we build this local celebrity thing? And, you know, there wasn't any lying in it, but there was a lot of tactics there on, you know, on things that we were doing and how we're helping other people get on the news and things like that, that, um, you know, just, it just gives you this, this thing, like you're capable of doing some things or you're willing to do some things that other people can't and it's for Mm -hmm. the greater good. And, um, you know, I met 75 days early, 80 days earlier, like I'd never, no, I didn't know a single person there Mm -hmm. and there were there had to be a hundred people in that room smashed in there. And then, you know, you'll, you'll see the video. There's a camera like spans from one side to the other. And there's just like people just taking shots and having fun. So <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was great. I was exhausted that day, but it was, I was like, I was ready for it to be over, but it, it was definitely the pinnacle. You know, it was like, this was, this was the 90 days right here, all wrapped up into one celebration. And that was a, it was a hell of fun, a hell of a fun night. Okay. So you guys came to Colorado Springs, you smashed the goal, you killed it. Uh, you share with us why you chose Colorado Springs. If you were to do another city, would there be anything that you would do different? One thing, two things, nothing at all. You know, what would be the approach if you did this in another city? Over the past 20 years, I, I have a really good idea of the clients that I've worked with that I've always done really well with. And if you watch the show in the beginning of the show, I think you'll, you'll hear me a few different times say, 
I'm just looking for my people. I'm looking for my people. Like I'm going to throw this net out there and I got to find my, I got to find my people because I, I know who my people are. And once mm-hmm. I talked to them, but I, I, I looked at it from a very, from a, a really uh, tactically wrong way. I thought that these people would emerge. So what's interesting is I know who my people are. And so I thought, oh, I'm going to cast this big net. I'm going to reel a bunch of people in that. And then within that, within that group that I find, my people are going to start to come out and I'm going to find my people. And then I'm going to take them to the finish line or vice versa. I'm going to help them. They're going to help me. Mm-hmm. That, that is great. At least I know my people. And that's one of the reasons why I knew I would do okay. Um, but in looking back, since I know my people, had I come from the perspective as instead of casting a big net and having my people sift through it, had I been intentional in going after my people, we could have done double the numbers we did, or at least done everything as, as purchase. Because since I know who I am, I could have very easily just marketed to my people, but I didn't have the, I didn't have the experience. And this is one of the things I learned that had I really taken the, the, you know, this client that I know and I love and I work well with and actually took a piece of paper and dialed that down into all these attributes and these thoughts and um, the big questions they have and what they say to themselves at night and all this stuff. If I were to have written that down, and converted that into my marketing, I could have actually marketed to these people that instead of three showing up to a class, maybe I would have gotten six, but that could have potentially doubled my production. And then we could have done that at each class and weeded out some of the, you know, 20, 30 people that I don't want to work with or the four or five people that give me the biggest headache or, or assholes, right? Like I don't, mm-hmm. I didn't need to reel those people in and go through the pains of seeing if they sift through my net. And so if had I been intentional day one, um, that is one of the things that I would have changed and I could have worked the same hours and probably doubled my production is, is my guess. Um, and, and done so with less headache from pressures of working with people that are my people. Hmm. So that's, that, that would be the one major thing that I would bring up. If there was a second thing that we were going to do differently in the next city we go to, or if we were going to do this process again, I would say is find more opportunities on how to leverage a virtual assistant. We found some really cool things to do with a VA um, in the Philippines that can you know, help you with some background tasks, with different messaging, different things on social media, stuff like that. And really, there's, there's probably even more, more stuff that she could have been doing. She was helping Casey around an hour a day, something like that. And you know, what I'm, I'm certain that if we really thought hard about it, we could come up with more tasks and more ways to leverage her time um, and make Casey even have more visibility or maybe have her doing some stuff for realtors. I'm not exactly sure, but, you know, I think that would have been the only other thing I would do differently is like how, okay, what are some other ways that we can leverage the system? Because having that, you know, those extra hours, it was super beneficial. You know, something that we haven't spoken about, Nick, that's really uh, interesting about that. I was thinking about it, but some of the people ended up knowing that I was using a virtual assistant for some of the tasks that uh, probably could have come from me. And where I thought that that might have been a negative, actually, I think I ended up getting some authority out of it because they're like, oh, this dude's using a virtual assistant. And so in the beginning, I'm like, you know, there'll be 20% of the people are going to catch on and go, you know, he probably should have sent that message to me first. Like, hey, thanks for being friends on Facebook. But ultimately what I got was, 
either some questions or, hey, that's cool that, you know, it was like they were acknowledging that, you know, that I was somebody that um, that was efficient with my time and or using some tools that they wish they could have used. And so that had a different a different impact than what I expected. That was a positive one. Wow. Thank you guys for sharing that. Those two things, uh, going all in on the avatar and going all in on leveraging, not just your time, other people's time and what that does to your authority. Um, I can only imagine what that would do to your results next time, or if you were to help somebody else out with that same process. But with that being said, with the process, you know, the 90 days, the challenge, everything, I'm sure there's a lot of emotions, a lot of thoughts that came with it, but what surprised you the most when it came to the whole process of the 90 days? Uh, this is super obvious for me. I, you know, I told Nick, Hey, look, uh, even driving up there, like, I'm like, man, I'm going to smash this thing because I don't have my kids and wife and I don't have my home to watch after. So I will be able to work like 100 hours a day. And, uh, it, that was, I was relying on the fact that I could work my way through this and do well. And what I noticed was probably halfway through or even two thirds through it, I wasn't working full days. So the, whenever I would go home, I, I would want to beat traffic. And so, uh, and traffic around Denver is horrible. It would add an hour, hour and a half to my time. So I, I was leaving, you know, sometimes I wouldn't have a meeting with somebody until noon on Monday. And so there were times when I, I left home either Thursday night and didn't really work Friday so much. Like maybe I would go to the office and do some things. Um, this was not the last month. The last month I was on the phone. I was trying to get deals because it was the month that I needed to, you know, originate loans. Um, but my biggest surprise was I didn't even work 40 hour weeks. Uh, I, I really didn't. And, you know, it, I, you know, I was managing other loan officers. I have a mortgage company. Um, I also had loans out of the area I was doing. Um, I had people I was helping in California and different states. Uh, the, the managing that I was doing included doing reports and payroll and, and a, quite a few different things. So it wasn't that I wasn't working full days. I was working my 10 hours a day. But I would say most of the days I worked like, you know, maybe six, seven hours a day and then not written. And then on Fridays, I was working like three and that is something that I didn't expect. I figured I'd work, you know, 60 hours a week on this thing to make sure I was winning. But at the end of the day, I didn't. I didn't even work a full week, not, not one week during the entire, well, the last month, I'm sure I did. But the first two months, they were like half-ass half days, honestly. So that's, that's probably the biggest surprise I had. Yeah, you know, I, I assumed that we were going to need a ton of partners to start sending us deals that we were going to go into this place. We were going to need to go get 10, 15 realtors, send us a deal a piece, you know, this kind of thing in order to hit the numbers that we wanted to hit. And to me, the biggest surprise was that if once you kind of dialed down that avatar, or especially if you just look at where the deals came from, that was, uh, that was a surprise to me that really, if you just go all in on the people that you, you know, like Casey says, oh, he's looking for his people. Mm-hmm. Once he found those and he was able to go all in with them, you know, they know other people like them, right? I mean, usually like mm-hmm. hangs out with like, I mean, in, in most cases. And so they were able to start referring their realtor friends and, you know, and other people like that. And so it, when you look at this kind of pyramid of where this business came from, it really only all originated at the top from a couple of people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's some side deals on people that maybe sort of match the avatar, not, not fully match the avatar. Uh, but if you just look at, you know, people that 
you know, if Casey, you know, outlined his exact avatar, who he works with the best, and then look at where did the deals come from? The, the bulk of the deals came from people that match his avatar mm-hmm. and, and referring other people that match the avatar. And so I thought that was interesting that really it was, it was proof of how, like how much impact just having a couple of amazing referral partners could have on your business. You know, in this case, mm-hmm. it, you know, it, it would put us on track, like, you know, to, for a Scotsman guides quality of business, you know, top 1% level business. And it really all originated just from a few people mm-hmm. that, you know, liked him, started sending him to other people and, you know, kind of this sort of pyramid thing that, that built out. Uh, but it didn't start with 10 or 15 people like we thought we would have to go find. All right. So you guys definitely gave the audience a ton of insight about what your learning experiences were, what some of the challenges, and I'm sure as they watch the show, they will get even more of (laughs) what your day-to-day like experience was like. Uh, But I think what everyone is super, super curious on and super just wanting to listen and ready to learn is the numbers. So how do you feel about the final numbers? Let's share the numbers, how it all went through. How do you feel about it at the end of the day? I feel good about it. I, you, you know, um, like in looking, I'm, I'm used, I'm used to expecting good numbers. And so I, I wasn't shocked at what we got. And I wasn't super impressed by the number. For example, I just didn't know if we would get it within the 90 days. Um, there was a chance that it could have potentially taken another couple of weeks or three weeks for me to hit that same number because, you know, things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, in looking back, I meant it, first of all, 3.3 million is, is hitting the Scotsman's guide 40 million a year. So that was like our stretch goal. And that was something that, um, would have, I thought, you know, quote unquote, make me proud or whatever, like, Hey, we could make the Scotsman's guide 90 days or at least be on pace for it. And so, um, I don't think anybody would not say that that's a great number within 90 days. Um, the, the part that I don't know about is like, in looking back, I think I could do a bigger number, but I don't know if I could do it faster. And that's probably the part that I, I haven't necessarily figured out a trick like, hey, I could get that done in, 20, in 60 days because there has to be enough relationship equity built up that somebody actually trusts me and wants to give me a, a shot with their loan. And, I, and that goes back to human nature. So, you know, could I have developed a relationship faster and gotten a loan, you know, faster. Well, we did get one loan in the, in the second month, but to get it at scale, um, I think maybe we could do it faster because again, I kind of figured out some ways to actually to improve it. But I, anyway, I don't know how much faster, but as far as the number goes, um, I meant three and a half million dollars is like 3.468, something like that. Um, you know, it's like on pace for over 600,000 a year you know, in general for a loan officer. And in the third month without knowing anybody, you know, my gosh, come on, that's, that's pretty crazy, I think. So, yeah. Yeah, it was impressive. And, you know, what was interesting to me is how it basically all came in the third month. You know, I mean, I know Casey expected nothing really to happen in the first month. But I was like, oh, hopefully we can at least get some deals, you know, some stuff starts rolling in. But that was one of the definitely things for me learning was you do have to build some equity up in the, in the market. I mean, people have to know who you are. That's the great thing about if somebody's taking the ideas here and doing it themselves, maybe they don't, maybe they don't need to take 30 or 60 days to build relationship equity or have some people know who they are because maybe they already have some of that. So, so for, you know, in some cases, if you're not going to a brand new market. It, it might, you might be able to go way faster than what we did. Um, but I think for, yeah, like Casey said, to do almost three and a half dollars, 
in the first 90 days, I think is amazing. Um, it's, it's definitely on pace for a business that any loan officer, I mean, the majority of loan officers can, can be proud of and would want to mm -hmm. have, and, you know, the, they would have a, a lifestyle equal to or better than any, you know, whatever they're doing today. I mean, I think it's, you know, and, and the fact that it would put you on pace to be in the top 1%, that's pretty, that's pretty impressive. I thought, I thought it was amazing what he was able to, what he was able to pull off and, and that it, again, that really proved itself because it was, you know, it was like 45 or 60 days almost of, of kind of not really having loans necessarily doing a lot of work. You know, it was like he was planting seeds and all this stuff. And then it really all, it really all started the third month, which was, which was great. Okay. So the result was there. Uh, we went into month one, month two. We knew that the hockey stick was hitting and all the results, at least most of the results, were going to come in month three. What was your strategy for month three, Casey? Uh, well, you know, I'm not the youngest guy on the planet. So um, somebody at my age, I went to the store and I got some, some post-it notes. I stuck them up on the wall. And on the post-it notes, I started uh, at putting names of every single person that I had met on there. And it was going to be my database, essentially. I wanted them on the wall in front of me. So I didn't miss anybody. And I also didn't shy away from, you know, it was, it was right there in my face every day. So I had some 50 something names up there of people that I met all the way from people I cared about to people that were indifferent, you know, I had a full range of people. Some I was close with, some I wasn't. But what I didn't want to do is have an opportunity there that I missed. It was really important. Mm -hmm. So I started off with putting them on the wall and just using it to like dial for dollars kind of thing. Um, ultimately, what, what I found out was, you know, I really didn't have a reason to call a lot of those people. It was, you know, as I looked at the list, I felt like I think a lot of loan officers do that we're supposed to make these calls, but I, I wasn't really calling of, you know, I was just trying to get a loan. It's like a typical, uh, stereotypical loan officer with their handout. And so, you know, still what I ended up doing was kind of dialing, dialing in on the, um, on the on my people and so out of that big board um at the end of the show which was really interesting um once i did dial in on my people i ultimately took that list and i just transferred um i just transferred the people that i ended up getting loans from onto another piece of paper and trying to find like the origin of where i got loans i kind of reverse engineered it a little bit and um 10 of the 12 loans, if you look at um, my second, my second uh, post-it notes, 10 of the 12 loans actually came from two people. So two people, the relationships of two people generated on average five loans a piece or five transactions. Wow. And one of those, like one of those people, <laughs> one person um, isn't even yet what you'd consider a high producer. And I think that probably nobody on the planet would believe me if I said, hey, you could go to a non-producer and get five transactions out of that person or whatever on average. And that's, you know, that's the power of dialing in your client because you're not just getting the client. What you, what you have is the trust of that client and that trust pours over to their entire circle. So if somebody vouches for you, somebody says, hey, you got to call Casey, even if, even if that person is not um is not the one giving you the business they they're the one edifying you and when i moved it over there and i saw like look this is what actually happened you know it really made me realize i could have 
like targeted my people as opposed to trying to sift them through this first, you know, this first post-it note of 50 people. Uh, what a, you know, what a waste of time to do that. So that was the big improvement and writing it on the wall is something that helped really uh, bring visually bring that out and, and help me take notice. Yeah, Casey mentioned that he was going to create this giant whiteboard with names and everybody that he had met and all the relationships. So that way, whenever he woke up and he could always just look at the board and he could look for the opportunity that was there right in his face. It wasn't a CRM or some sort of, you know, digital thing that he has to go into. It's just, it's just right there in the living room. And I guess that was one of the, you know, benefits of being in the house by it didn't, you know, he could just decorate it in, in however he, however he wanted to do it. It was cool that, you know, even, even from that, starting from that big, big list that he was still able to work down and really figure out, you know, who he actually, who are his people and, um, you know, who can give the most value to, who finds him the most valuable, who share that with other people that could also find him valuable. And so, yeah, I mean, seeing that the business really all trickled down from two ladies that came to the very first class that we ever did. You know, when you look back at that first class, I mean, only three people showed up, but two of them met his, basically met his perfect avatar of, of exactly who they are. And I mean, one of them is more or less is like how we figured out what that avatar looks like, you know, or, you know, different characteristic characteristics and traits out about the avatar. But the fact that two out of the three people that showed up to that first class, you know, when, when, you know, the fact that they came to the class indicated a need, right? They didn't have any needs. They would have never showed up to the class. And, but anyways, the, again, I think it was, it's like a blessing in disguise that only three people showed up two out of three. So 66% of people that showed up to that first class met the perfect avatar, ended up doing a lot of deals, referred deals, referred friends and family and other realtors and potential referral partners and things like that. So um, having that board up in his, in the house, I think helped to create other kind of aha moments uh, for us of, of really realizing again, you need 50 people. I mean, the business, you know, 90% of the business came from, from originated from two people, right? So if you look, it's like, oh, so that's like 4% of the, of the list that he had on the wall generated 90% of our business. And it's just sometimes like that, right? If you really dial down into um, who you're working with well, who you connect with, who needs what, what you have to offer and understands your value, then you can probably go, you know, further, faster um, by really just focusing those people specifically. Yeah, those two people did, uh, it was over 2.7 million for the two people. So we did nearly 140% of our goal with two people. And, uh, you know, I, I can see somebody on the outside going, oh, since you only did it with two people, it's not like you can't replicate that. And I would, I would argue with that all day long because I've done that my entire career. I've done, when I was in California, I worked with one real estate agent and I was still a high six figure earner working with one person. And that one person wasn't even, wasn't necessarily one of these uh, super realtors, right? It was just an average producing person, but her entire circle was my circle and you know, um, I think saying that, you know, it's a fluke or, you, you know, that you couldn't repeat it. I meant it's just lazy because I've, I've repeated it over and over again. And we did it on camera and, it, you know, if it's something you can't believe, it's just because you haven't tried it yet. You haven't done it yet. Um, 
I doubt that there's anybody that produces more than me that would that would watch this and go, oh, that's bullshit. Wow, over a million for the perfect avatar. That is that is an amazing finding. So you know, you guys did you know almost three point five million. Um, I'm not sure a hundred percent exactly what that is in in commissions, but you know, you obviously had some expenses as well. Let me say, you obviously had some expenses as well. You guys, you know, ran some Facebook ads, you had some class, you had some socials, you know, I know those were all expenses. When you take everything into consideration, you know, you spent a hundred grand to make a hundred grand. Like how did those finances break down? I feel like we did pretty good on expenses. If you look at month one, we spent a little, about $450. Um, that's basically running Facebook ads for the class. Uh, buying cheetah juice, you know, our energy drink that we have uh, to give those away. Um, at social, the social actually cost us only $286, which I think is amazing to have, you know, I, I think it was around 14 people that showed up there. And even I remember some ladies, they even snuck in some dinners and said that we were agreeing to pay, agreeing to pay for their dinner. But so it was 286 social. We ran about $30 worth of ads. Uh, we bought some note cards for Casey as well. So that was about $26 on note cards. And then we bought some signage that we can have um, for our events. And that was $69 that we spent on the signage. So for a month, we spent about 450 bucks. Um, now that would be not including, you know, obviously Casey's rent on his house and, you know, the stuff that we, you know, bought there. But if you're obviously doing this in your own market, you don't, you don't have that. So but what we spent in terms of like quote unquote marketing or you know, going to grow the business was about 456 in the first month. In the second month, it was $1,634. Uh, so same thing. We spent some on Facebook ads. We spent cheated juice, $26 for cheated juice. Uh, the social for month two cost us $416 uh, for the, you know, buying the alcohol and stuff there. Uh, we spent like 20 bucks on Facebook ads. And then we also bought some pumpkins. Casey had bought, I think maybe eight or 10 pumpkins. Uh, so that was about 40 bucks worth of pumpkins that we had available that we just were giving away people at the end. You know, it's kind of a fun thing to take home to their kids or whatever. Uh, we bought some custom cornhole boards and because we bought them and wanted them really fast, they were kind of expensive. They were $900. So that's where the majority of the money is going. You know, the month is really to the social and to the cornhole boards we bought. If you got them, you know, not as fast or maybe from somebody local where they didn't charge a million dollars for shipping, probably could get that cut in half. Um, we spent $125 on G, the virtual assistant that we had doing some stuff in the grounds, sending out messages, inviting people to classes inviting people to the social saying happy birthday, that kind of stuff. And then $69 on a light kit. So for month two, $1,634 was our marketing wow. budget. And then in month three, I spent about $36 on uh, Facebook ads for promoting the class, about 20 bucks for cheetah juice. And then the social was big. It was $1,900, which is why I said in the future, you know, if we did socials, I would definitely work on getting sponsors and have the bill. And then $35 in Facebook ads we use towards the social and $125 again for G doing stuff in the background as a virtual assistant. So the budget in month three was a little over $2,000. It was 2116 um, was our budget. So, I mean, the expenditure over the course of the 90 days, you know, we're, we're a little less than uh, maybe just over $4,000 total, mm -hmm. um, which, which I think is pretty reasonable, you know, to be at you know, $1,200, $1,500 a month uh, when you look at kind of out there doing some things, especially for the amount of relationships, face-to-faces, clinking glasses, teaching realtors, and that kind of stuff that we were able to do. Um, like a pretty good spend for a little over 4000 Wow. So just, um, so under $5,000 is what it looks like. Under $5,000 for the entire challenge 
uh, to feed people, get, get your name out there, um, brand them with your cheetah juice and, you know, the cornhole and all that awesomeness. Um, so with that investment, right, and of course, there are some things that you learn, some things that you'll probably do next time. What can, you know, another loan officer who follows this plan to the T, what can they expect, you know, when they take the plunge and invest, you know, five, you know, less than $5,000 into their business in commissions? What would that look like for them? Yeah, you know, there's, there's, uh, everybody has a few different things that, that they use uh, as far as being successful in their work. You know, one is um, their skill set, you know, how well you, how well you sell or how well you can communicate with people. And that's something that obviously is different with everybody and develops. But the other two things, one is tactics and the last one um, would be uh, your willpower, your drive. Mm -hmm. So if somebody came to me and used our tactics and they had the same willpower I do, um, you know, maybe their skill set's better or less than mine. But is if you fix those two things, then at that point, you know, you can work on your skill set to, to bring it up to what one man can do, another man can do. And the willpower you should be able to match because that's a choice. And the tactics is something that I can show you, Nick can show you. And so if you have the drive, there is no reason in the world you couldn't match my performance mm. because we have two of the three things that are two, two of those three variables are out of the way. Mm -hmm. So are you above average? Are you below average? Um, you know, according to normal compensation, I was pacing about 600,000 a year. So if your skill set is one half of mine, you should be able to do $300,000 without a problem. If your skill set is twice as good as mine, you could do $1.2 million. Um, I've been doing it 20 years. I am really good with my avatar. <laughs> I am not very good with the other 98% of the world. And so I focus on the two people that I can communicate well with or the one, the 2%. So that's, that's part of my experience. Look, I, I suck with this, you know, with men that are 22 years old or whatever. Like I, I know like who I jive with. And if you could say the same thing, then you should be able to match my performance. Um, using the same tactics, if you got the guts to get up and follow a plan. So I'd say this, I'd say the same, unless your skill set's different. Wow. On pace for $600,000 in commissions, if you're just somewhere on the average. So if a loan officer, you know, is watching this, a real estate professional is watching this, you know, they, um, they're trying to build up their business. Okay. And they're seeing all these awesome results they're, They saw the show They're They're seeing how you're doing it. What would you tell them? if they're trying to build up their business right now, they're trying to get to the next level like you guys. So a, a couple things, if you're a real estate agent, first of all, what I did in the Springs with um, getting real estate agents to refer me business is no different than what real estate agents should be doing with referral partners that can send them business every single month. Uh, people like uh, real estate attorneys, financial planners, CPAs, people that help get other people into assisted living where they have to list their, their homes. Most real estate agents, work almost like loan officers who do refis. They go for one unit of work to one unit of pay. Mm -hmm. And that is one of the reasons why real estate agents don't have the steady source of business that, you know, decent loan officers have. So if you're a real estate agent that is looking to start getting repeat referral business that you can generate every single month, um, I, I can help you or one of my loan officers can help you. So what I did is repeatable um, in both spaces. And we'd be happy to help you if that's something you're trying to develop. Um, secondly, you know, what I did do is I, I had value to give real estate agents, which actually got them to send me business. 
And the things that I helped them with were things that helped them grow their business, like retargeting and uh, ranking like number one on uh, Google and just different things that actually helps the business that they currently have. So mm -hmm. if those are things that uh, we could help you with as far as doing classes, um, we have classes, both webinars online and in person that either myself or Nick or one of our loan officers could help uh, help you and your team um, with marketing to, to make sure that you have some automation and things that that keeps business, you know, that so you can do all the things all the time and not feel like you have to be the one doing it. So that's another way we can help you. Uh, if you're a loan officer, obviously, you could come work with us and uh, we can actually hold your hand and make sure that this actually gets done. Uh, you saw the numbers that I did. And uh, if I can do it and there's somebody on my team that's wanting to do it, you can bet that they're going to get first, you know, they're going to get full attention to make sure that they hit those numbers. It, it benefits all of us. Um, and, uh, if you're, you know, if you're not on our team and you just want some help, um, shoot me an email, uh, give me a phone call. You can go to reloloshow.com and it has all of our contact information and nine times out of 10, I'd be happy to help you regardless. So just reach out to us and, uh, give us a shot to help you. And, and hopefully we can put you in a better spot. If I was going to say, if I was going to say any last thing to somebody, I would say, take a day, two days, a week, whatever it takes you and come up with a really, really, really strong ATAR. If you can know exactly who you jive with, who you like to serve, and you can get into their brain and what are they thinking about? What's their pillow talk at night with their spouse? What are their vices? You know, you can get really deep into who that person is and unique to that one person. I think that's what's going to help you go further faster than what we did because it even took us a little bit to create, you know, it, it wasn't really until like the third month we started recognizing that, you know, the op opportunity that exists, knowing that exact perfect avatar. So if you're trying to take this plan and run with it, I would say if it's possible before you launch into your 90 days, come up with your perfect avatar of who you like to work with as a referral partner and only speak to them. You know, I don't mean like only trying to phone call people, but I mean like all your messaging, everything you're doing online, any videos, social media posts, everything is speaking to that exact avatar so that you're attracting that perfect person as well. And I think that's, that's the one thing um, would, you know, people don't put enough stock in upfront, but is the, is the biggest um, thing that can multiply your results and, and help you get, go further faster. All right, guys, man, this was an awesome call, an awesome, awesome breakdown. Really appreciate you uh, giving the entire audience a behind the scenes like peek at how this all went through. Now, let's say they saw this, they love what you guys are doing, and they want some help. Okay, they want some one on one help. What can they do? Yeah, so 3.5 million in 90 days is a big number. It's, it's something that a lot of loan officers would be proud to do, especially going into a brand new market. If you need some help, we've got a couple of resources on reloloshow.com. You can grab an avatar workbook. Oh, it's actually a physical workbook we're going to mail you. And you can be able to have that you know, as a, as a resource if you're trying to come up with your avatar. Casey made an awesome workbook that's going to you know, has really great questions that you can ask. And, and even in some cases, go to realtors, go to somebody that matches your app, ask them some questions, like ask them, Hey, can, would it be okay if we have a really deep personal conversation, you know, just to help me with this, it's not necessarily about you. It's just about you in general, you know, your type of person. Um, so the workbook is going to be a huge um, benefit. If you grab the workbook and talk with uh, Casey and I, uh, there's also the ability to book a 30 minute phone call there hmm. and we can jump on, we can, make sure that you get a jump start. You know, if anything, sometimes you just might want somebody to verify what you're doing and tell you that what you're 
you know, your is going to work and, and it's a, it's a good plan, or you might want a couple of ideas. And so we can jump on, share some stuff with you there. Um, so reloloshow.com has some different resources for you. So check that out. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen, if you want some one on one help, reach out to these fine gentlemen and they will help you be able to achieve the goals that you want. Casey, Nick, thank you so much for breaking this down for everybody. And, uh, We'll keep on uh, cheating on. Cheating uh -huh. on. <laughs> Thanks, Rob. Appreciate yeah. it, buddy. Bam.